0: Upon Appleton House by Andrew Marvell, read for Librivox.org by Jason Mills. Upon Appleton House to my Lord Fairfax by Andrew Marvell. Within this sober frame expect work of no foreign architect, that unto caves the quarries drew, And forests did to pastures hew. Who of his great design in pain Did for a model vault his brain, Whose columns should so high be raised To arch the brows that on them gazed. Why should of all things man unruled Such unproportioned dwellings build? The beasts are by their dens expressed, And birds contrive an equal nest. The low-roofed tortoises do dwell In cases fit of tortoise-shell no creature loves an empty space, Their bodies measure out their place. But he, superfluously spread, Demands more room alive than dead, And in his hollow palace goes, Where winds, as he, themselves may lose. What need of all this marble crust, to impark the wanton mows of dust, That thinks by breadth though the world t'unite, Though the first builders failed in height? But all things are composed here, like nature, orderly and near, In which we the dimensions find of that more sober age and mind, When larger-sized men did stoop to enter at a narrow loop, As practising, indoors so straight, to strain themselves through heaven's gate. And surely when the after-age shall hither come in pilgrimage, These sacred places to adore, by Vere and Fairfax trod before, Men will dispute how their extent within such dwarfish confines went, and some will smile at this, as well as Romulus his bee-like cell. Humility alone designs those short but admirable lines, by which, ungirt and unconstrained, things greater are in less contained. Let others vainly strive to immure the circle in the quadrature. These holy mathematics can, in every figure, equal man. Yet thus the laden house does sweat, and scarce endures the master great, But where he comes the swelling hall stirs, and the square grows spherical, More by his magnitude distressed, than he is by its straightness pressed, And too officiously it slights that in itself which him delights. So honour better lowness bears, than that unwonted greatness wears, Height with a certain grace does bend, but low things clownishly ascend. And yet what needs there here excuse Where everything does answer use, Where neatness nothing can condemn, Nor pride invent what to contemn? A stately frontispiece of poor Adorns without the open door, Nor less the rooms within commends Daily new furniture of friends. The house was built upon the place only as for a mark of grace, And for an inn to entertain Its lord awhile, but not remain. Him Bishop's Hill or Denton may, or Bilborough better hold than they, But nature here hath been so free, As if she said, Leave this to me, art would more neatly have defaced what she had laid so sweetly waste, In fragrant gardens, shady woods, deep meadows, and transparent floods. While with slow eyes we thee survey, And on each pleasant footstep stay, we opportunely may relate the progress of this house's fate. A nunnery first gave it birth, for virgin buildings oft brought forth, and all that neighbour ruin shows the quarries whence this dwelling rose. Near to this gloomy cloister's gate there dwelt the blooming virgin Thwaites, fair beyond measure, and an air which might deformity make fair. And oft she spent the summer suns discoursing with the subtle nuns, whence in these words one to her weaved, as t'were by chance, thoughts long conceived. Within this holy leisure we live innocently, as you see. These walls restrain the world without, but hedge our liberty about. These bars enclose the wider den of those wild creatures called men. The cloister outward shuts its gates, and from us locks on them the grates. Here we in shining armour white like virgin amazons do fight, And our chaise lamps we hourly trim, lest the great bridegroom find them dim. Our orient breaths perfumed are with incense of incessant prayer, And holy water of our tears most strangely our complexion clears. Not tears of grief, but such as those with which calm pleasure overflows, or pity, when we look on you that live without this happy vow, how should we grieve that must be seen each one a spouse and each a queen, and can in heaven hence behold our brighter robes and crowns of gold? When we have prayed all our beads, some one the holy legend reads, while all the rest with needles paint the face and graces of the saint. But what the linen can't receive, they in their lives do interweave this work the saints best represents that serves for altar's ornaments but much it to our work would add if here your hand your face we had by it we would our lady touch yet thus she you resembles much some of your features as we sowed through every shrine should be bestowed and in one beauty we would take enough a thousand saints to make and for i dare not quench the fire that me does for your good inspire T'were sacrilege a man to admit "'to holy things for heaven fit. "'I see the angels in a crown "'on you the lilies showering down, "'and round about your glory breaks "'that something more than human speaks. "'All beauty, when at such a height, "'is so already consecrate. "'Fairfax I know, "'and long ere this have marked the youth "'and what he is, "'but can he such a rival seem "'for whom you heaven should disesteem? "'Ah, no!' and twould more honour prove he your devoto were than love. Here live beloved and obeyed, each one your sister, each your maid, and if our rule seems strictly penned, the rule itself to you shall bend. Our abbess too, now far in age, doth your succession near presage. How soft the yoke on us would lie, might such fair hands as yours it tie. Your voice, the sweetest of the choir, shall draw heaven nearer raise us higher and your example if our head will soon us to perfection lead those virtues to us all so dear will straight grow sanctity when here and that once sprung increase so fast till miracles it work at last nor is our order yet so nice delight to banish as a vice here pleasure piety doth meet one perfecting the other sweet So through the mortal fruit we boil the sugar's uncorrupting oil, and that which perished while we pull is thus preserved clear and full. For such indeed are all our arts, still handling nature's finest parts. Flowers dress the altars, for the clothes the sea-born amber we compose. Balms for the grieved we draw, and pastes we mould as baits for curious tastes. What need is here of man, unless... These are sweet sins we should confess. Each night among us to your side, appoint a fresh and virgin bride, whom if our Lord at midnight find, yet neither should be left behind, where you may lie as chaste in bed as pearls together billeted, all night embracing arm in arm, like crystal pure with cotton warm. But what is this to all the store of joys you see, and may make more? Try but a while, if you be wise. The trial neither costs nor ties. Now Fairfax seek her promised faith, Religion that dispensed hath, Which she henceforward does begin, The nun's smooth tongue has sucked her in. Oft, though he knew it was in vain, Yet would he valiantly complain, Is this that sanctity so great, An art by which you finally cheat? Hypocrite witches hence avaunt, Who though in prison yet enchant, death only can such thieves make fast as rob though in the dungeon cast were there but when this house was made one stone that a just hand had laid it must have fallen upon her head who first thee from thy faith misled and yet how well soever meant with them twould soon grow fraudulent for like themselves they alter all and vice infects the very wall but sure those buildings last not long founded by folly kept by wrong I know what fruit their gardens yield, when they it think by night concealed. Fly from their vices, tis thy state, not thee, that they would consecrate. Fly from their ruin, how I fear, though guiltless, lest thou perish there. What should he do? He would respect religion, but not right neglect. For first religion taught him right, and dazzled not, but cleared his sight. Sometimes resolved his sword he draws but reverenceth then the laws, for justice still that courage led, first from a judge, then soldier bred. Small honour would be in the storm, the court him grants the lawful form, which licensed either peace or force, to hinder the unjust divorce. Yet still the nuns his right debarred, standing upon their holy guard. Ill-counseled women, do you know whom you resist, or what you do? Is not this he whose offspring fears shall fight through all the universe, and with successive valour try France, Poland, either Germany, till one as long since prophesied his horse through conquered Britain ride? Yet against fate his spouse they kept, and the great race would intercept. Some to the breach against their foes their wooden saints in vain oppose. Another boulder stands at push with their old holy water-brush while the disjointed abbess threads the jingling chain-shot of her beads. But their loudest cannon were their lungs, and sharpest weapons were their tongues. But, waving these aside like flies, young Fairfax through the wall does rise. Then th'un-frequented vault appeared, and superstitions vainly feared. The relics false were set to view, only the jewels there were true. But truly bright and holy thwaites That weeping at the altar waits. But the glad youth away her bears, And to the nuns bequeaths her tears, Who guiltily their prize bemoan, Like gypsies that a child hath stolen. Thenceforth, as when th' enchantment ends, The castle vanishes, or rends, The wasting cloister with the rest Was in one instant dispossessed. At the demolishing this seat To Fairfax fell as by a sheet, and what both nuns and founders willed tis likely better thus fulfilled for if the virgin proved not theirs the cloister yet remained hers though many a nun there made her vow twas no religious house till now from that blessed bed the hero came whom france and poland yet does fame who when retired here to peace his warlike studies could not cease but laid these gardens out in sport in the just figure of a fort and with five bastions it did fence as aiming one for every sense when in the east the morning ray hangs out the colors of the day the bee through these known alleys hums beating the diane with its drums then flowers their drowsy eyelids raise, their silken ensigns each displays and dries its pan yet dank with dew and fills its flask with odours new these as their governor goes by in fragrant volleys they let fly and to salute their governess again as great a charge they press none for the virgin nymph for she seems with the flowers a flower to be and think so still though not compare with breath so sweet or cheek so fair well shot ye firemen oh how sweet and round your equal fires do meet whose shrill report no ear can tell but echoes to the eye and smell. See how the flowers as at parade under their colours stand displayed, each regiment in order grows, that of the tulip pink and rose. But when the vigilant patrol of stars walks round about the pole, their leaves that to the stalks are curled, seem to their staves the ensigns furled. Then in some flower's beloved hut each bee a sentinel is shut, and sleeps so too. But if once stirred she runs you through nor asks the word o thou that dear and happy isle the garden of the world erewhile thou paradisey of four seas which heaven planted us to please but to exclude the world did guard with watery if not flaming sword what luckless apple did we taste to make us mortal and thee waste unhappy shall we never more that sweet militia restore when gardens only had their towers, and all the garrisons were flowers, when roses only arms might bear, and mended rosy garlands wear. Tulips, in several colours barred, were then the switzers of our guard. The gardener had the soldier's place, and his more gentle forts did trace. The nursery, of all things green, was then the only magazine. The winter quarters were the stoves, where he the tender plants removes, but war all this doth overgrow, we ordnance plant, and powder sow, And yet there walks one on the sod, who had it pleased him and God, Might once have made our gardens spring fresh as his own, and flourishing. But he preferred to the sank ports, these five imaginary forts, And in those half-dry trenches spanned power which the ocean might command for he did with his utmost skill ambition weed but conscience till conscience that heaven nursed plant which most our earthly gardens want a prickling leaf it bears and such as that which shrinks at every touch but flowers eternal and divine that in the crowns of saints do shine the sight does from these bastions ply thin visible artillery and at proud coward castle seems to point the battery of its beams as if it quarrelled in the seat th'ambition of its prelate great, but o'er the meads below it plays, or innocently seems to gaze. And now to the abyss I pass of that unfathomable grass, where men like grasshoppers appear, but grasshoppers are giants there. They in their squeaking laugh can tame us as we walk more low than them, and from the precipices tall of the green spires to us do call. To see men through this meadow dive, we wonder how they rise alive, as under water none does know whether he fall through it or go. But as the mariners that sound and show upon their lead the ground, they bring up flowers so to be seen, and prove they've at the bottom been. No scene that turns with engines strange does oftener than these meadows change, for when the sun the grass hath vexed the tawny mowers enter next who seem like israelites to be walking on foot through a green sea to them the grassy deeps divide and crowd a lane to either side with whistling scythe and elbow strong these massacre the grass along while one unknowing carves the rail whose yet unfeathered quills her fail the edge all bloody from its breast he draws and does his stroke detest Fearing the flesh untimely mowed, to him a fate as black forebode. But bloody Thestilus, that waits to bring the mowing camp their cates, greedy as kites, has trussed it up, and forthwith means on it to sup. When on another quick she lights, and cries, He called us Israelites! But now, to make his saying true, rails rain for quails, for manna, dew. Unhappy birds, what does it boot to build below the grass's root, When lowness is unsafe as height, and chance o'ertakes what scapeth spite? And now your orphan parents' call, sounds your untimely funeral. Death-trumpets creak in such a note, and 'tis the sourdine in their throat. Or sooner hatch, or higher build, the mower now commands the field, In whose new traverse seemeth wrought, a camp of battle newly fought, where, as the meads with hay, the plain lies quilted o'er with bodies slain, The women that with forks it fling do represent the pillaging. And now the careless victors play, dancing the triumphs of the hay, Where every mower's wholesome heat smells like an Alexander's sweat, Their females, fragrant as the mead, which they in fairy circles tread, When at their dances end they kiss, their new-made hair not sweeter is when after this 'tis piled in cocks like a calm sea it shores the rocks we wondering in the river near how boats among them safely steer or like the desert memphis sand short pyramids of hay do stand and such the roman camps do rise in hills for soldiers obsequies this scene again withdrawing brings a new and empty face of things a leveled space as smooth and plain as clothes for lily stretched to stain The world, when first created, sure was such a table raise and pure, or rather such is the toril ere the bulls enter at madril. For to this naked equal flat, which levellers take pattern at, the villagers in common chase their cattle, which it closer raise, and what below the scythe increased is pinched yet nearer by the breast. Such in the painted world appeared davenant with universal herd. They seem within the polished grass a landscape drawn in looking-glass, and shrunk in the huge pasture show as spots so shaped on faces do. Such fleas ere they approach the eye in multiplying glasses lie. They feed so wide, so slowly move, as constellations do above. Then to conclude these pleasant acts, Denton sets ope its cataracts, and makes the meadow truly be, what it but seemed before, a sea. FOR, JEALOUS OF ITS LORD'S LONG STAY, IT TRIES TO INVITE HIM THUS AWAY. THE RIVER IN ITSELF IS DROWNED, AN isles ASTONISH CATTLE AROUND. LET OTHERS TELL THE PARADOX, HOW EELS NOW BELLOW IN THE OX, HOW HORSES AT THEIR TAILS DO KICK, TURNED AS THEY HANG TO leeches QUICK, HOW BOATS CAN OVER BRIDGES SAIL, AND FISHES DO THE STABLES SCALE, HOW SALMON TRESPASSING ARE FOUND and pikes are taken in the pound. But I, retiring from the flood, take sanctuary in the wood, and while it lasts myself embark in this yet green yet growing ark, where the first carpenter might best fit timber for his keel have pressed, and where all creatures might have shares, although in armies not in pairs. The double wood of ancient stocks linked in so thick an union locks, it like two pedigrees appears, on one hand Fairfax th'other veers, of whom, though many fell in war, yet more to heaven shooting are, and, as they nature's cradle-decked, will in green age her hearse expect. When first the eye this forest sees, it seems indeed as wood, not trees, as if their neighbourhood so old to one great trunk them old did mould. There the huge bulk takes place, as meant to thrust up a fifth element, and stretches still so closely wedged, as if the night within were hedged. Dark all without it knits, within it opens passable and thin, and in as loose an order grows as the Corinthian porticoes. The arching boughs unite between the columns of the temple green, and underneath the winged choirs echo about their tuned fires. The nightingale does here make choice to sing the trials of her voice. Low shrubs she sits in, and adorns with music high the squatted thorns. But highest oaks stoop down to hear, and listening elders prick the ear. The thorn, lest it should hurt her, draws within the skin its shrunken claws. But I have for my music found a sadder, yet more pleasing sound. The stock-doves whose fair necks are graced with nuptial rings their ensigns chaste. Yet always for some cause unknown, sad pair unto the elms they mourn. Oh, why should such a couple mourn, that in so equal flames do burn? Then as I careless on the bed of jellied strawberries do tread, and through the hazel's thick espy the hatching thrastle's shining eye, the heron from the ashes top the eldest of its young lets drop as if its stork-like did pretend that tribute to its lord to send but most the hewels' wonders are who here has the halt-fester's care he walks still upright from the root measuring the timber with his foot and all the way to keep it clean doth from the bark the wood-moths glean he with his beak examines well which fit to stand and which to fell The good he numbers up, and hacks as if he marked them with the axe. But where he, tinkling with his beak, does find the hollow oak to speak, that for his building he designs, and through the tainted side he mines. Who could have thought the tallest oak should fall by such a feeble stroke? Nor would it, had the tree not fed a traitor worm within it bred, as first our flesh corrupt within tempts impotent and bashful sin and yet that worm triumphs not long, but serves to feed the hewel's young, while the oak seems to fall content, viewing the treason's punishment. Thus I, easy philosopher, among the birds and trees confer, and little now to make me, wants or of the fowls, or of the plants. Give me but wings as they, and I, straight floating on the air, shall fly. Or turn me but, and you shall see, I was but an inverted tree, Already I begin to call In their most learned original, And where I language want, My signs the bird upon the bough divines, And more attentive there doth sit Than if she were with lime twigs knit; No leaf does tremble in the wind Which I returning cannot find. Out of these scattered sibyl's leaves, Strange prophecies my fancy weaves, And in one history consumes, Like Mexique paintings, all the plumes. What Rome, Greece, Palestine, e'er said, I in this light mosaic read, Thrice happy he, who not mistook, Hath read in nature's mystic book. And see how chances better wit Could with a mask my studies hit. The oak leaves me embroider all, Between which caterpillars crawl, And ivy with familiar trails me licks and clasps, And curls and hails. Under this antic corp I move, like some great prelate of the grove then languishing with ease i toss on pallets swollen of velvet moss while the wind cooling through the boughs flatters with air my panting brows thanks for my rest ye mossy banks and unto you cool zephyrs thanks who as my hair my thoughts too shed and winnow from the chaff my head how safe methinks and strong behind these trees have i encamped my mind Where beauty, aiming at the heart, Bends in some tree its useless dart, And where the world no certain shot can make, Or me it toucheth not, But I on it securely play, And gall its horsemen all the day. Bind me, ye woodbines, in your twines, Curl me about, ye gadding vines, And, all so close your circle's lace, That I may never leave this place. But lest your fetters prove too weak, Ere I your silken bondage break, Do you, O brambles, chain me too, And courteous briars nail me through? Here in the morning tie my chain, Where the two woods have made a lane, While, like a guard on either side, The trees before their lord divide. This, like a long and equal thread Betwixt two labyrinths, does lead. But where the floods did lately drown, There at the evening stake me down. For now the waves are fallen and dried, and now the meadow's fresher dyed, Whose grass with moister colour dashed Seems as green silks but newly washed. No serpent new, nor crocodile Remains behind our little Nile, Unless itself you will mistake, Among these meads, the only snake. See in what wanton, harmless folds It everywhere the meadow holds, And its yet muddy back doth lick, Till as a crystal mirror slick where all things gaze themselves, and doubt if they be in it or without, and for his shade, which therein shines, Narcissus-like, the sun too pines. Oh, what a pleasure it is to hedge my temples here with heavy sedge, abandoning my lazy side, stretched as a bank unto the tide, or to suspend my sliding foot on the osier's undermined root, and in its branches tough to hang while at my lines the fishes twang but now away my hooks my quills and angles idle utensils the young maria walks to-night hide trifling youth thy pleasures slight to shame that such judicious eyes should with such toys a man surprise she that already is the law of all her sex her age is all see how loose nature in respect to her itself doth recollect and everything so wished and fine starts forthwith to its bon mine the sun himself of her aware seems to descend with greater care and lest she see him go to bed in blushing clouds conceals his head so when the shadows laid asleep from underneath these banks do creep and on the river as it flows with ebon shuts begin to close the modest halcyon comes in sight, Flying betwixt the day and night, And such an horror, calm and dumb, Admiring nature does benumb. The viscous air, where's e'er she fly, Follows and sucks her azure dye, The jellying stream compacts below, If it might fix her shadow so. The stupid fishes hang as plain As flies in crystal or tin, And men the silent scene assist, Charmed with the sapphire-winged mist maria such and so doth hush the world and through the evening rush no new-born comet such a train draws through the sky nor star new slain for straight those giddy rockets fail which from the putrid earth exhale but by her flames in heaven tried nature is wholly vitrified tis she that to these gardens gave that wondrous beauty which they have she straightness on the woods bestows To her the meadow's sweetness owes; Nothing could make the river be so crystal pure but only she. She yet more pure, sweet, straight, and fair Than gardens, woods, meads, rivers are. Therefore what first she on them spent They gratefully again present. The meadow carpets were to tread, The garden flowers to crown her head, And for a glass the limpid brook, Where she may all her beauties look. But since she would not have them seen, The wood about her draws a screen. For she to higher beauties raised, Disdains to be for lesser praised. She counts her beauty to converse in all the languages as hers, Not yet in those herself employs, But for the wisdom, not the noise. Nor yet that wisdom would affect, But as 'tis heaven's dialect. Blessed nymph, that couldst so soon prevent those trains by youth against thee meant, tears, watery shot that pierce the mind, and sighs, love's cannon charged with wind, true prayers that breaks through all defence and feigned complying innocence. But knowing where this ambush lay, she scaped the safe but roughest way. This tis to have been from the first in a domestic heaven nursed, under the discipline severe of fairfax and the star revere where not one object can come nigh but pure and spotless as the eye and goodness doth itself entail on females if there want a male go now fond sex that on your face do all your useless study place nor once at vice your brows dare knit lest the smooth forehead wrinkled sit yet your own face shall at you grin through the black bag of your skin when knowledge only could have filled, and virtue all those furrows tilled. Hence she, with graces more divine, supplies beyond her sex the line, and like a sprig of mistletoe on the fair oak does grow, whence, for some universal good, the priest shall cut the sacred bud, while her glad parents most rejoice, and make their destiny their choice meantime ye fields springs bushes flowers where yet she leads her studious hours till fate her worthily translate and find a fairfax for our thwaites employ the means you have by her and in your kind yourselves prefer that as all virgins she precedes, so you all woods streams gardens meads for you thessalian tempeh's seat shall now be scorned as obsolete aranjuez as less disdained THE BEL RETIRO AS CONSTRAINED, BUT NAME NOT THE Idalian GROVE, FOR TWAS THE SEAT OF WANTON LOVE, MUCH LESS THE DEAD'S ELYSIAN FIELDS, YET NOR TO THEM YOUR BEAUTY YIELDS. Tis NOT WHAT ONCE IT WAS THE WORLD, BUT A RUDE HEAP TOGETHER HURLED, ALL NEGLIGENTLY OVERTHROWN, GULFs, DESERTS, PRECIPICES, storm. YOUR LESSER WORLD CONTAINS THE SAME, BUT IN MORE DECENT ORDER TAME, YOU HEAVEN'S CENTER. Nature's lap, and Paradise's only map. But now the salmon-fishers moist, their leathern boats begin to hoist, And like Antipodes in shoes have shod their heads in their canoes. How tortoise-like, but not so slow, these rational amphibiae go! Let's in, for the dark hemisphere does now like one of them appear.